Sometimes life takes unexpected turns, and whether that's the dissolution of a relationship or a sudden death of a loved one or just changes that you weren't anticipating, it can leave you wondering how you're going to manage to get through the next steps. My guest here today is Deanne Moore, and she is a therapist. She has a practice here in North Texas uh, called Never Too Late Counseling, and she's going to talk with us about some strategies for helping individuals uh, move through those challenges that they often face. Deanne, I want to thank you for taking time to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. What a fun opportunity. Yeah. You know, you and I were talking a little bit um, before the show started just about you know how life certainly does present those unpredictable uh, moments in life, and and how we move through those. Um, oftentimes, our initial reaction to that can be very unhealthy. And so, I just wanted to start off and like talk with you a little bit about your experience in working with people who are navigating some of those really difficult changes in life. Right. So, if we're talking about divorce first, and then we can talk about the death yeah. of a partner. But divorce, obviously it's terrible or break up a relationship. It's never, it's never a good thing. First of all, we're dealing with emotion because typically one person wants to leave more than the other person wants you to leave. And so that brings out a lot of conflict there because I'm emotionally reacting to you. I'm mad at you. So even though you may not think you want to punish them, a lot of times we sort of want to punish them. And so if the man leaves and he's got a girlfriend, oh, we want to, it's just game over. Everybody's going to be all about you know, emotions and how mad they are. And so we try really hard to work to get back into your logical brain because we've got an emotional brain. We have a logical brain. China is talking to English, like doesn't even have the same symbols to read it. Right. And so how are we supposed to be able, you can't understand emotional brain and logical brain. So when we can get out of the emotion, that's why when you have an argument the next day you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) You say that. Sorry. That's what I, I, you know, I often, find with people that um that they really are that that feeling of hurt they you know the thought is that if my partner will hurt as much as i'm hurting that that will somehow make me feel better right and that's not a logical thought i think it's just that very emotional but it's a real thought and and sometimes it's a subconscious real thought it's kind of like you're not sitting there going i want to hurt him i want to hurt him but you don't care if you're like well sorry you can't see the kids tomorrow because you know his girlfriend's gonna see him and i don't want her seeing the kids and it's like come on no, he shouldn't have a girlfriend yet. You're not divorced. And no, he shouldn't. But weaponizing your power and your perceived power, it just gets really messy really, really fast. It That's really what does. we want to help people try to avoid. All right. So how do you do that? Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> how do, do we you? do that? Yeah, it's hard. Well, so therapy with, with divorce, when you put those together, people get scared. Sometimes I like to say, okay, go get coaching. Well, call me a coach. I don't care what you call me. But it's just navigating through it, educating yourself, getting information, especially if the one partner is leaving, whether there's a, a third party or not, you still, you don't want your marriage to break up. You don't want to leave the kids. You're A lot of times we're so worried about the health of the children, which is fair, right. which is completely fair. But instead of thinking, okay, how if this is really going to happen, How am I going to make this the best bad thing and the best, how are we going to make lemonade out of a lemon here versus how can we do everything we can to destroy and then alienate, not not in the sense of parental alienation, that's a whole other topic, but alienating that parent or dipping our toe into, well, your dad did that or well, your mom did that. It's like, we really want everybody on our team. And just trying to get people to understand, go get some help, talk to somebody because you're not doing it 100% correct, even if you are the perceived victim. 
I promise you're doing stuff wrong and you don't mean to. Oh, it sounds like you're saying that there might be some personal responsibility <laughs> to take it's a look really at hard. in this situation. But it is, especially especially when the other side has done wrong, right? Like mm -hmm. it is, I think, very natural to want everybody to know that the other side did wrong. Right. Which is funny because what are, you're saying you married an idiot. You're saying you married a terrible person. Why not say, hey, I married a great person because I have great taste and it just didn't work out. Uh, Wouldn't that be better? And then the, your kids can have an honorable mother or an honorable father, but we just can't do that stereotypically. Most of us can't do that right away to see that because we're so mad about our immediate. And it's real easy to take a truth, which is the kids are gonna hurt. The kid's not the best thing for the kids. That is true. But so then we take that truth and just mess all over it. It's, well, you're messing up my kids. So then everything I do now is going to be right because it's in the name of the kids. Ah. Well, this is best for the kids. This is best for the kids. Well, who said it was best for the kids? It's your version of what's best for the kids. And then he's going to have or she's going to have her version of what's best for the kids. When really we just have to come to, you can't get, a, you, you can't always agree on everything. So how are we going to navigate that? To what can we do that will be okay for the kids? What's not harmful for the kids rather than what's best for the kids? One of the things, um, again, this goes back to what I, you know, as a divorce lawyer, what I see is sort of being a natural response um, and that I like to help educate my clients on, but um, is when, you know, when the other spouse did have an affair or something, did something bad, there's a natural tendency to want to tell the children that, you know, who's to blame for the divorce. Mm -hmm. What impact does that have on kids? Well, I mean, it's not positive mm -hmm. and it's almost impossible to get people not to do that. But if you can try not to, it's really better. It's just better. Mom and dad are grownups. We, we are getting along. And it's not always infidelity that happens. It can be whatever it is, alcoholism, a disease, a mental health. It can be gambling. It can be, I'm just bored. I don't want to, I don't love you anymore. Whatever the reason is, it's, how is it helpful though because people really, it's not, most of the time, it's not so much that I want to say you're bad. It's that I want to make sure you know that I'm really good and I tried. Mm -hmm. And so why can't we just say that rather than having to say how bad your partner is or your spouse or the one you're breaking up with? Why does that person have to be bad for you to not have done wrong? Why can't it just be, look, I tried everything I could and it just didn't work. I really thought I was doing the best I could and it didn't work. I want you to try when you grow up. I want you, as long as you can go to bed, putting your head on the pillow saying, I tried everything. Yeah. That's all that matters. And it just didn't work. Go ask your mom, go ask your dad why they chose to leave. But I, it's, it's not for me to talk about. Oh, that's a good answer. <laughs> I know. Um, all right. So talking and uh, switching and talking a little bit about death, because I think that's important. Mm -hmm. That's another one of those unexpected mm -hmm. situations that can happen, whether it's a parent, but like I just I went through that last year or, um, or a spouse um, or, you know, even a friend, someone close in your circle, that death can be really a hard thing to overcome. What do you, what do you say to people or how do you help them? How can a therapist help them? Kind of overcome well, in that? the beginning, it's, it's really just, crying with them, not rhetorically or, or really just letting them sit in that space. It's terrible. Sometimes people come, it'll be okay. It'll be better. You're, you can get through the, he's in a better place. She's in a better place. I know, but I want her here. I don't care that she's in a better place. I want her here, right? right. We're hurting for us here on earth, not for the person so much that's passed because hopefully they are in a better place. So part of it is just letting it be okay that it's terrible. And sometimes people want, don't want to say, this is horrible. 
you know, you don't want to, you don't want to make them feel bad. And a lot of people are afraid to talk about the person who's died, whether their child died or whether their parent died. The people most often say people don't know what to say, so it gets really quiet. People don't contact them anymore, or they see them and they just give them, <clears throat> excuse me, the pitiful eyes, and they don't look at them right. because, and then they don't want to say anything, and they say, "Well, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to bring it up." And the person who's lost someone's like, "Are you kidding?" I think about it 24 hours a day. Right, right. <clears throat> Excuse me, this is not something I'm not think. You can't make me think about it any more than I do. So yeah. bring it up. Tell me a good memory. Tell me something that, you know, your mom did X, Y, and Z for me, and it, it was so wonderful. Your mom smiled every time I saw her. When I came over to your house, you know, a lot of the teenagers, will, if a parent dies, they'll say, you know, your mom was, your dad was so nice when I came over. And Aww. I remember this memory with your dad. Then that gives them a warm feeling Rather than, I don't know what to say, so that's right. let's don't invite her out to us tonight because she'll be sad. You know, I mean, I think I think there's so much in that. There's, I, I, I really, I give humans credit. We really do try to, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to make things worse for right. the person, but so often <laughs> the things that we say can, can make it harder because, you know, people I've just found will want to project their own mm -hmm. Feel it, what they think I'm feeling mm -hmm. onto me, you know. Uh, but those warm stories are really the best way to just share like that moment of, right. you know, what that person. Just did. don't say to someone because the one thing I hear all the time is, um, one lady came on and said, came on, was in my room and she said, you know, I lost my mother and and when I was. 22 i think she was and she says so often people are like oh my gosh i would die if i would i don't know how i would do it if my mom died when i was 22 <laughs> and she's like thanks thanks like what am i supposed to say to that because right. it's true you immediately think of yourself and think oh i paid it if my mom died when absolutely I, was I didn't get to walk me down the aisle she didn't get to do this she just don't say that just I'm so sorry, even though that's very shallow. It's just, is there anything you need? Or this this must be a really hard time to walk through. I don't know what to say. I just, just want you yeah. know I'm thinking about you. Things like that seem to be pretty vanilla. Just keep it really plain that's, if you don't know what to say. That, that's, that's good advice. Um, you work with teenagers. I do. <laughs> and I would love to know what you're hearing um, a lot about um, from kiddos these days. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell you. I got something to say. Here's the thing. Most parents bring their kids in, thank you for bringing your kids, because I personally believe, I'm a therapist, so take that with a grain of salt, that I call it everybody needs a therapist in their back pocket. And what I mean by that is come in when things are good. Come in when things aren't tragic or you're not in crisis. We get to know the teen. We get to know your young adult. We get to know the, your age, all of our ages. You know, Then when something does happen, you go to your therapist. We know you. We're not starting at scratch with, I don't know you and you're crying because of something that's happened. Well, things are going to happen with teens and the things that bug them are not usually the things that parents think are bugging them. So they come in our room because the parents are getting a divorce and they're like, yeah, they fought them my whole life. I mean, yeah, <laughs> finally they're getting a divorce. Not all the time, not all the time. And littles are different, but still they come in and they're mad because they were left out of a group chat at school. And for them, that's devastating. All the girls are over here on the side and they know there's this group text going on and they're excluded or there's the party. That still impacts them and they need a space because a lot of times as parents, we should and we go into teaching moments. Oh, this is a teachable moment. This will build resilience and we don't need them anyway. And sometimes they just want you to say, that is makes me sad for you. That hurts. What are we going to do? You know, like from a third party, it's just different to hear it. it and it, your mom, yeah. you know, if they think they're fat, trust me, these teenagers, the 
is off the charts with weight issues right now. And so, of course, we're as parents, we have to tell them, no, no, go ahead and have the hamburger. You're not love your body, love yourself. That's what we're supposed to teach them. Right. right. But little kids, some I say little kids, teenagers, they don't sometimes they need to hear it from someone else. And sometimes Mickey Mouse could tell them something that the parent can't that they hear. Yeah. It's yeah. not about you as the parent. It's that you, you're the, you're supposed to tell me I'm pretty. It's so funny because one of the things, um, you know, I just noticed I've got, I have teen, I mean, my youngest now is 14 and, you know, shifting from your parental roles in the early mm -hmm. days, you are their teacher. You are teaching them everything. And, but that as they get into the teenage years, yeah. <laughs> very visible eye roll or whatever, yeah. when I start, when I go into teaching mode and that's not, that's not what she wants for me or needs she for me. She doesn't, but don't stop that. Yeah. Yeah. Just make sure you up your game on the, the empathy factor or the understanding factor. Does just that make being, sense? Just being present. That's right. sometimes it's, it's right. I have to, I have to actively remind myself that my job is to just be present. And I'm, wow, that sounds hard. Empathetic words. That sounds, that would be terrible if you yeah. weren't in the, why did they leave you out of the group chat? Babe, I, that must hurt versus, well, what'd you say to them that made you take them out? <laughs> or you mean to your friend, you know, Correct. you don't want to not still teach because they, the roots are being formed mm -hmm. and they get in their twenties, they get older. They're like, my mom always told me you don't want to ever stop that. But I would just tell people up the game. I'm not telling you to take something away, up your game on the empathy factor or just what what can I do to help you or what would make this better sometimes it's just sit with sometimes it's just sit by me and tell me I'm it's I'm sorry yeah. tell me I'm pretty <laughs> you know it's that you know just give me a little ninny just give me a little mm. yeah sometimes you just want to and then you're like okay I'm tired of that and they're ready to get up and go yeah yeah no that's great and you know what what you were talking about was something I was thinking about as I was driving in today um was the fact that so often you know we call therapists in a crisis mode but really, um, you know, I think this, the most effective relationship is really formed, like you were just saying, when you're not in crisis right. mode. And, and I think for so many of our kiddos these days to have another adult who mm -hmm. is helping them, um, helping give some context to what right. they're experiencing. Right. So it's not just the parent all the time. It's right. so helpful. And we try to be, uh, I do own my own practice, Never Too Late Counseling, and we try to be very disarming. And a lot of therapists, historically have been very, you know, we call it the Heisman, you know, how the Heisman pose, they're kind of stiff arm, which is great. We do have to have boundaries and everything, but also being super relatable and trying to be present with them as well. I do a lot of work with couples to your point. And so couples come in and they'll come in, they'll say, we were driving in, we didn't know what we were going to talk about. And I was like, okay, now we can get some work done because we're not just over here trying to navigate this. Because when you come in in a fight, it's, it's hard for the therapist because we don't want to just be a referee and we don't want to replay the fight. And there's all these things we want to do, but you almost have to, because at experiencing it, when you're the couple, you almost need to have some things that, that are happening. You need to be heard. Most couples just don't feel heard. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not talking. I mean, <laughs> right. they're not hearing what you're saying. And so when we can get that under control and then it's like, I tell all my couples, okay, I say required and it's laughing. I laugh with them, like it's not required, but I want them coming in once every, once a quarter. You change your oil, you rotate your tires, you come in for therapy. There's something about seeing it on the calendar that's like, oh, we're going into, okay, maybe I'll talk about this. Maybe we'll talk about that. So two degrees off course, we got a ship going north. We're two degrees off course. What happens with a lot of time? We're yeah. in Australia and we right. didn't want to be over here. Now try to navigate back that 
So if we can just course correct along the way, the healthiest couples I found over all these years are the ones that kind of, they take it seriously. I mean, you, you have to put some work into any relationship, friendships, business, and anything that happens in my room is universal to your children, to your relationships, to work. And so you just have to stay on top of it. People don't hear what you say. You can say it all day. How many times have you told him to vacuum? Right. He doesn't hear it. You know, no. how do we get him to hear what we're saying? How do we get him to want to hear what we're saying? It's those kind of things. And so they leave your office uh, with him vacuuming? Yes. <laughs> it's a miracle. And you know what? I was, um, it's, that's so great. People often ask the divorce lawyer, you know, what, what do you see as the leading cause of divorce, right? And so either the sexy answer is like, oh, adultery or, yeah. of course, financial. I think that was one that was mm -hmm. listed for a long time. And the truth is for, for the couples that are divorcing that don't have a lot of drama, it's not. Wait, there are, there are people that yeah, divorce know, with I no know. drama? There are. Well, I mean. And that drama was Less. the cause of the divorce. There you, right? go. There you go. Um, but oftentimes it's just where like you just become very complacent in your relationship. It's not the relationship itself isn't really a priority and they are drifting uh, apart. And that's where I imagine just kind of having those routine check ins is a good way to make sure that. Well, we both have three kids. And so you get married and we're, you're your world. It's only the two of you. You get married. Then you have a baby who is completely reliant upon you. And then you're like, well, that was fun. Let's do that again. And then you have another baby. And then for some strange reason, we kept going and had a third. Not sure how, how that happened. So now you are literally in charge of children that cannot function for themselves. And then if you work outside of the home and he works outside the home, you have your business, then you have to go see extended family. And then the kids are crying. How, where is the time for the relationship? If yeah. it's not... And people define words differently. Listen to me, they define words differently. Men will say all the time, she doesn't prioritize me. What does that mean to you? Sometimes it's so easy. They just want you to sit on the couch one time with them or, you know, it's like, that's all it takes? Yeah. Okay. But over time, we're not, we're not putting energy into the relationship, but we, it's because we're surviving. It's like, well, come live my life for one day and see how you're gonna prioritize <laughs> it. But men need sex. Yeah. They just, they need it to feel connected. This is stereotypical of a man and a woman. They, they need to feel connected with sex. And so they're going to feel it more often. A woman needs emotional security, stereotypically, to feel, tell, it happens all day. You're, you're proud of her. You think she's doing a good job. Emotionally safe. Mm -hmm. Then she's wanting to have it. So when she's not getting that and then she's so tired and she doesn't want to have sex at night because she's exhausted because then it's the night's over, she's passed out, then he wants to have sex and then he feels rejected. And you can just see the cycle starts happening. Yeah. That they just, it's not like when you were single and you didn't have anything else and you're both wanted at the same moment. It's how do we get to want it at the same time where she's having to not say no but yet he, it's just, and then there's all things. build and then, and then the call yeah. is made to the divorce. We got plans for all that. <laughs> it's all solved. Everything yeah. is, it's a solvable problem. Yeah. Unless you're dealing with um, addictions, mental illness, things like that, which there are still things you can do with that. These are solvable problems. She loves you. We can get it back. He loves you. We can get it back. But then she goes to work and her co-worker's really nice to her and her husband's always telling her she's gained a little weight or, you know, you never work, whatever negative she's hearing. Yeah. And then before you know it, people that are good, honest, hardworking, loving people end up in an affair that they didn't even, I've never had somebody outside of somebody that intentionally went on the Dolly, Dolly Madison. No, that's the snatch. Ashley, Ashley Madison. Madison. You know, there's those, take that aside, that looked at me and said, I was looking to have an affair. It, right. it happens because 
you just get connected with somebody. If you spend quality time with someone, you're going to see how fantastic they are and see their vulnerabilities. It, you didn't mean to because you really love your family, but you're not getting anything at home. That's they're all solvable. That's the yeah. thing. It seems insurmountable, but they're solvable. Although I think when the years of resentment have layered in. We're in Australia. Yeah. How do we bring it back? That's, <laughs> that's why if we can do the maintenance along the way, you can't afford not to do it. Such great advice. And um, if everybody's watching, you know, I may be out of a job. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, we're not. That's the problem. I, I'm just kidding. I always say, you know, if your marriage can be saved, go 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 work on it. Because you and I both know that while divorce will solve some problems, it doesn't solve all the problems oftentimes you're But you exchanging. even when you divorce, I cannot tell you. Look at the you know, the second rate the, the second marriage divorce rate is just as bad as the first marriage divorce rate. You tend to take the same problems. If you really think about what your exes, if you, if, is there a theme that your exes say about you? You know, you'll talk to your new partner and you're like, well, she said I was, you know, a workaholic. Oh, you were not a workaholic. You worked so hard. You know, they turn the negative into a positive. Right. There is usually a theme and you just take it to the next relationship. So I have a big mirror that I hold up and I hold it in front of you and I'm like, this is who we're working on. If you'll work, the kids say, stay in your lane. If you stay in your lane, She'll probably stay in her. I mean, you can lead this. You can change a relationship by you starting it. But yes, to your point, sometimes sometimes it's too far gone. I, I hate to say that. Sometimes it's sometimes it's just somebody's decided that they're done, yeah. and it's hard to get it back. But you can do the work because that same work will then go to the next person. You well, know? and that same work will make you a better parent. That same work will make you a better co-parent. I mean, that yes, it'll strengthen your relationships right. and other areas because, you know, I mean, it's just human relationships are complex. Mm -hmm. So often what they're doing is reflecting to us the work that we need to be doing. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, the number one phrase is, can you fix her? Can you fix him? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got it. I got it. I'm fixing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Deanne, how did you get into therapy? Because I know that this wasn't your first career. No, it's not. I did because I had was married. If you're married more than five minutes, it, <laughs> things became difficult. And, and he was in law school. And we started going to therapy just because things were hard. And I just started... We had been, honestly, we had been to three therapists that were not good. And I had, didn't really know what therapy was supposed to look like. And we moved back to Dallas and we saw a therapist and I thought, what a game changer a good therapist was. One that we understood and spoke our language and connected with us. And I felt like my husband at the time listened to him to some degree. And that connection was so important. And I just, something about that, I thought, I want to do that. I want to, if I can be that good, I want to do that. And so what, what, what should people look out for when they are hiring a therapist? What are some signs that you're with a good therapist? Really, it's a lot of people want to try to do that. Referrals are great because you know they've worked with someone else. Mm -hmm. But you really want to find someone you have to connect with them or that is connectable, mm -hmm. you know. And so if, if sometimes you have to just go and try and if they connect with you, you can read about them and make sure that they align with your beliefs or you're, you know, you want to make sure you're going to someone that focuses on something that, that you're, you know, you don't want to go to a child therapist. If, you know, I do a lot of couples work, a lot of infidelity, a lot of relationship, you know, the people trying to connect over into a new life from school to college or college to right. life. So I don't need to be working with seven-year-olds. My sister works with me. She's great with kids. She's great with teens. You know, you want to, so find somebody that kind of does what 
we have continuing education. What are they going and specializing in, even though we don't specialize? Mm -hmm. And then do you connect with them? Do you, do you connect with them? That's really the most important thing. And are you willing to really go there? We only know what you bring us. We're not right. mind readers, <laughs> no. you know? And are you willing to say, yeah, I did do that? Okay, that's great. How, are we, let's, how do you want to do it this time so you don't have that same result? Yeah. But you have to open up to them. So are you willing to do that? That's great. Um, as we kind of wrap up our time together, what I'd love to do is ask you what message of hope you have for somebody today maybe who's really struggling with um, a big unforeseen event that they're facing right now. So first off, it's horrible. What you're going through is horrible and you are not the first person. And I only say that to say there are people out there that want to help you. Just trust, and my favorite word is hope, and then my favorite phrase is never too late. It's never too late to start again. It's never too late. I got a song. It's never too late. It, it's You have to believe that it's going to get better, even though better may not be fixing the problem. If you've had a death, okay, it can get better, but you can't bring the person back. If you're getting a divorce, he or she may be leaving. Or if you found out the person's had an affair, does your partner, is, is your partner acting like they want to fix it? Let, go see if we can fix it. Maybe we can't. What happened that, that, that got us here? Are you willing to look in the mirror? Are you willing to look in the mirror and go, oh, I was kind of tired and I was kind of acting like I didn't want to have sex very much. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But is there something you could do different in the future? What are you willing to own? But you have to choose, okay, how am I going to make this horrible thing better? How am I going to be better for having gone through this? That is great. And I love, I love the message of hope because I think it's so, so important. And life does get better. It can. Um, even in the midst of it can. You know, painful situations. Yeah. It can. It does take work. It does. So thank you so yeah. much You're for welcome. being here. If you want to learn more about Deanne Moore and her practice at Never Too Late Counseling, we'll include a link to her uh, website and we hope you'll contact her. And if you enjoyed our session today, I hope you'll subscribe uh, to this uh, podcast and tune in for more.